I want to continue tonight looking at uh, what we've been looking at, which is planting the heavens. So important at this time, and particularly with this COP thing coming up, because they're talking about also laying the foundations for a new earth, aren't they? In fact, let's just go to that scripture so that we have a, that's a foundational text, which is in Isaiah chapter 51. And verse 16, where it says, you know, let's just read back into it. We've looked at it before, but I just want to do it very quickly. Verse 12, Isaiah 51, verse 12. I, even I, am he who comforts you. Who are you that you should be afraid of a man who will die and of the son of a man who will be made like grass? Talking about the fear of man. But if you read on, you'll see he's talking about the fear of government, man. Amen? He's not talking just about the fear of man. He's talking about the fear of the oppressor. And that's where we are right now. You know, every, everything I'm preaching right now have to make reference to that. Because that's where we are. That's the reality of our lives. I've been looking at it so much this week. What we call Project Fear. Everything is fear. You might have to have another lockdown. There's going to be food shortages. There's going to be the price of gas is going through the roof. Everything designed by the government and a complicit media to make you fear and fear your future. Fear for your future. You know, and I was sharing this with somebody the other day. What Karen says, it's not that, well, is everybody in in the conspiracy? No, they're not. Because they don't have to be. Because there are that many willing uh, idiots who will run with the narrative. So they just need to whisper in a few years. And, and in fact, they don't even hardly need to say anything. And people run with it and spread the fear. And you know that word came to be fear-mongering. And that's what people are doing. So Project Fear is on. And oh boy, is it going to be ramped up during the COP. Because we're going to be hearing about the planets dying if we don't take drastic measures. Um, all kinds of things. You, oh, you're going to have to give up your car. You're going to have to live in a mud hut, and all that stuff. Am I right? Because yeah, yeah. that—that's what—that's what we know. It's coming. And oh, you—you you know, you—you you, see, you with your gas boiler, you're, you're destroying the planet by heating your family and cooking your food. You're using gas. You shouldn't be using gas. So we're going to have all kinds of stuff coming up. But it's all project fear. Then he says. Um, and you forget Yahweh your maker who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth you have feared continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor um, and that's what's happening we're being oppressed I'm, I'm reading just now plan B, plan C, plan ZF you know an ultimate plan of all well if you're, not, if you're all naughty it'll be locked down again and I don't think people are going to put up with it anymore I just don't think they will. People are just, we see people in open defiance now. And not, don't mean rebellion, but people just say, we've had enough. Yeah, they're seeing through it, absolutely. But that word fury there in the Hebrew can also mean poison. Uh, and oh boy, would I love to go down that road, road tonight, but I'm not going to. Uh, I might be shoved into it. But when he has prepared to destroy, see, destruction, destruction is not random or by chance or accidental it is prepared it's planned it's a pandemic 
And where is the fury of the oppressor? Where is the poison of the oppressor? Then he goes on to say, The captive exile hastens that he may be loosed or set free, that he should not die in the pit and that his bread should not fail. Put that into modern language. It means the person who is in lockdown. Captive exile, you're in lockdown because you're exiled from society, you're exiled from your job or your normal way of life, what you used to know. You're not allowed to go outside your five-mile limit. Now, we're not there right now, but they want to shove us back to that. And, of course, you're also a captive because you're locked down. It's, it's a prison term, lockdown. So the lockdown ones um, hastens. That means that they, they, they're um, desperate to be set free, that he should not die in the pit, and that his bread should not fail. In other words, that he should not lose his income, his livelihood, or because of rising prices and all that stuff. It's all here. It's all, and I prophesied, well, I, I preached this stuff for years. And people would look at you like you were nuts because they were sitting comfortable. Everything was fine, you know, two cars in the driveway, nice big bungalow, plenty of money. And this stuff wasn't going on, but it's going on now. Because the prophet has spoken here in this book, in Isaiah. He says, here's God's answer. But I am Yahweh, your God, who divided the sea, whose waves roared. Yahweh Saboth is his name. And that means the Lord of heaven's armies, the king, the general, the captain of heaven's armies, if you like. And here's this, this phrase here. I have put my words in your mouth. I have covered you with the shadow of my hand. That the, the words, of course, refers to the word, the Bible. God's word given to us. That we speak as Rima words in our decrees. Amen. I hope you're still doing decrees. Pete did decrees up the mount yesterday because it's so important. You know, we didn't have to go. We didn't have to go up the mount to do it. We could have stayed in here and did it. We could have stayed in our houses and done it. It's just as effective in many ways. But we did it to make a statement, didn't we? We felt the Lord was telling us to go there and do it from there. And it says, I've covered you with a shadow of my hand. That's a metaphor for the Spirit of God. That I may plant the heavens. That's what we're looking at, planting the heavens. Lay the foundations of the earth, which means um, lay new foundations. You can't lay foundations where there's already a building. You have to clear the ground. And you know, that's what COP is. That's what this agenda is. I've been speaking um, about, and I don't want to get into it because it's too long, it's on the WhatsApp group, all the stuff about the infinity loop or the, the Uranurus, which is the snake eating its own tail. They're all symbols for the, a do-over, a start again, a reset. That infinity loop thing, and it's coming through in predictive programming and films, David and I have watched, and some of you have watched, it's predictive programming. They're telegraphing what they're planning to do, which is a reset. A, a, a reincarnation, a rebirth from the ashes, all that stuff, all that, uh, I've got to say new age junk, new age old evil. Amen? So that's what they're planning. But God has a, a reset plan, doesn't he? And that is to clear the ground of all the evil and all the junk that they've built over decades and centuries of social engineering folks. Social, you, you know, my background is marketing, PR. I could, I could tell you stuff about social engineering because it's all about propaganda. It's all about getting into your mind, getting into your head, 
to get you to think a certain way, and of course psychology is involved in it. That's why psychology is at the heart of it all. Cam has, has shared on that, but God wants to plant his kingdom and lay new foundations and say to Zion, you are my people. Now, it's not about saying to everybody, oh, you're my people, I love you all. You know, God so loved the world. Yes, we know God loves people. But, you know, we don't let three-year-olds run about in our motor cars, do we? We don't leave the house and leave four- and five-year-olds in charge for the weekend while we go and have a nice time. Why? Because they're not responsible. They're not mature. They don't have what it takes to do stuff like that. So why should you and I let a whole bunch of sinners run the country? Think about it. People who are evil, people who are incompetent, why should we let them run our nation and pass laws and bring in legislation and establish protocols that are directly against this word, this book, and also against the Christian culture that we have inherited at great cost to them from our forefathers. People lost their lives, they lost their livelihoods, they lost their liberty. Why? So, and Stevie was talking yesterday at Arise Scotland about 18,000 Covenant graves in Ayrshire alone. Why did they lose their lives? All those thousands that gave, they gave it, and, and many were persecuted. Why? See, the devil does not persecute his own people. If somebody's getting persecuted, it's normally the devil, and they're normally therefore, you know, they're in God's side because they're being persecuted. But but we need to get Scotland back in the hands of those that God has purposed it be in our hands, which is the remnant saints of God, and then we can have a great big harvest and a mighty revival, and then whatever happens after that. But we need to we need to re-examine our end-time ideas. I, I, I just want to read this to you that, that I picked up from, from one of the guys that, that um, a teacher I quite admire, a guy called Russus John Rushduni. How do you like that name? R.J. Rushduni. Here's what he said. This is so true. Eschatology, and eschatology means the study of the end times. So you got all that pre-mill, pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, all that stuff. Eschatologies of defeat, and there are many of them, folks, have become popular. Oh, the Antichrist is coming. Here he comes. Here he comes, folks. The Antichrist is coming. The mark of the beast. Some people say it's already here. So it's coming down the pike. It's coming any day now. Get your suitcase packed and be ready for the rapture. Eschatologies of defeat have become popular. Men program themselves to be losers. Ouch, yeah? To be defeated and to live with evil rather than to overcome it. As a result, the Western world, despite its marked advantages, is faltering and retreating. The lions are turning cowards before mice. What a description of the church in the last 18 to 20 months. Amen? You know, it's, it's an indictment upon Christian people that there are people out there who are not Christians, and some of them batty as bugs, truthfully, crazy folks, 
But they see through this. You know, the divide is not between, you know, Christian and non-Christian. And, and, and it's, it's, not, it's not between what we would maybe think it was. But there is a divide and it's grown. And the Lord told some of us it would get wider this month. And I think it started. And a lot of people that you and I maybe wouldn't want to sit beside in church or have anything to do with, they're the ones that, that discern it. Some of them aren't even saved yet. And that's a big yet. Because I believe that God has put his hands on some people and said, I'm claiming you for my own. And they're not even dreaming about being a Christian yet. Amen. But others who we're going to look at, and we preached this this morning, so sorry, Pete, if you're going to hear some of the stuff we looked at this morning, um, although obviously I had to be a little bit tempered in what I said, but we're not going to be as tempered tonight. But before we get to that, let's just very quickly stay in Isaiah and just go to Isaiah chapter 2. Look at a couple of passages in Isaiah, and then we'll look at something else. But you see, it's all about planting the heavens. But what do we have to do to plant the heavens? Because we have to deal with what's here right now. We have to deal with things the way they are. And yes, we make decrees, and we should, and we should keep doing it. And I want to share this. I shared this yesterday. The Lord told me to do this. Um, and I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to share it because it was quite a busy meeting. I was trying to close the meeting, and he kept saying to me, no, no, share this. Back in the 80s, I know it's hard to believe when I was a teenager, you're thinking, you're kidding me on. <laughs> you're, you're never that old, Bill. Back in the 80s when I was a teenager, I first got saved in the Apostolic Church. I used to go to an intercessors for Britain meeting. And the guy who led it was a guy called Stuart Dill, mighty, mighty man of God. He ended up becoming one of the UK leaders of IFB. And actually, I took over the, the branch from him, but that, that, that's... But when we used to have prayer meetings, I was sharing this on the way in tonight. By the 80s, I don't know if any of you remember us, there were dark times. It wasn't all just, you know, well, Thatcher's Britain and everybody get rich. Spiritually, really bad times. There was a lot of blowback, a lot of kickback. There's a lot of darkness, a lot of, and the, you know, we're talking about communism today and socialism today. Back in the 80s, it was a real threat too. You know, Scargill, Tony Benn, all these guys trying to undermine and destroy Britain. And I remember very clearly that we used to, we used to have these prayer meetings a Tuesday night and we would get into spiritual warfare. And I remember this, and week after week, we would, we would really engage in prayer, intercession, but spiritual warfare for the nation. And I'll never forget it. Because every week, it was like you came out your body and you were literally suspended over Britain. And you were, it was like sometimes you could see dark clouds or you were literally hanging in the sky over Britain. That's what it felt like. Okay, and, and looking back, that was probably some kind of reality. That was a place that God would take us. And we'd be in that really, it was always dark. It was never bright and breezy and sunny. It was always dark. And you're waging war in the heavenlies. But I'm talking about the second heaven. Okay? Does that make sense? Because we spoke yesterday about uh, 
going to the heavenly realms and, and, and beyond the veil. But that's the third heaven. But back in the 80s, we were engaged in this, and it was tough going, and you know, you get, you get battered. You, get, you, you paid the price for doing this stuff. Maybe somebody can, you know, resonate with that. And that was our level, that's where we were, and you know, you, you maybe thought, oh, I'm super spiritual because I'm doing this stuff. But I don't believe the Lord wants us to do that stuff anymore. Because we're not, the second heaven is not our habitation, it's not our environment. God wants us in the third heaven, in the throne room of God, moving from the sword and from spiritual warfare to the scepter of ruling and reigning with him because soldiers don't make decrees, field marshals make decrees. And field marshals have battens, don't they? It's like a scepter. So that if you start in the army and you go through the ranks, you're a good soldier, you get promoted until the time comes. Listen to this, folks, because we're talking about planting the heavens here. The time comes when the army says to you, you're too valuable to be out there dodging bullets. You're too valuable. You know too much. You've got experience. You have revelation. You have insight. You've got all these things. We need you back in headquarters directing troops and wielding the bat and wielding the scepter rather than being out there. Amen? We'll do that again. It's a guy thing. Amen? I should have brought a prop. Yeah. yeah. But there comes a point where the Lord says to us, you know, you've fought in the trenches. But you need to come up. And I believe it's not just for individuals. The Lord is saying this is the season of decreeing. And you, and you, you can only decree from a seated position. Kings don't stand up to make decrees. That's why they're thrones. And in the ancient world, in the time of the Bible, in the Old Testament uh, in particular, kings would sit in thrones. They always made the thrones very high up. They would make them elevated so that the king would not have his feet on the ground. So every throne in the ancient world, they would have a footstool. Because you don't, you're not going to look very kingly with your feet dangling. Amen? <laughs> your feet dangling in the midday, you, you, you're, you're not going to command respect. So they would make, and of course the Bible speaks about Jesus having a footstool. And that footstool is the nation's. And do you think that God is going to fashion his own footstool? It's our job to make the nations his footstool. Which means it's our job to, to change and transform the nations into something that is suitable for Jesus to put his feet, feet on. And you, know, you look around the nations right now, that's not it. So it's our job to fashion a footstool, which means transform the nations which means plant the heavens and lay new foundations. You know, sometimes, not all the, not sometimes, probably you say all the time, what the devil is up to is, it's the polar opposite of what God is up to, but not always completely different, it's just a counterfeit. So what's COP26 about? It's about changing the planet, terraforming. 
Amen? But not in the image of God, not in the image of his word, not in the image of, of God's kingdom, but in the image of evil and darkness and wickedness. Because what they're looking, saying is they're looking around and saying, oh, there's far too many of you guys here. So we're going to have to chop quite a lot of you off. I wonder how they're going to do that. Well, we know how they're doing it. But, you know, they've got umpteen plans, and I believe this COP thing. You know, as I said to you, 101-year-old prophecy about COP26 that, that we've got, very clearly referenced in the COP26 event in, in Scotland, um, but also saying that the remnant saints of God will foil its purpose and destroy its agenda and destroy it all. That's exciting. But that, is it just, well, it's automatic, we can all go home, you know, and watch... Sunday night television, or do we have a part to play that if we don't play it, then you know, is it a conditional thing? I think yes, it is conditional. Partly, we've got God's word for it. We've got, we've got, and it's not just well, some guy prophesied 101 years ago, which is great, wonderful. But this book, what we're just reading here, Isaiah chapter two, I'll just read it, folks. The word that Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Now, it shall come to pass in the last days or the latter days, the days we're living in, yeah? It says that the mountain of the Lord's house. What did you pray up the mountain, Jim? This is, this, is, this is God's mountain, God's house from this day forward. Amen. Pete was up there yesterday. Along similar veins, am I right? Shall be established on the top of the mountains... And shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow to it. And we believe that, that Scotland has such a vital role to play in these end times. So we're taking this. Many people, many people, many people shall come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the mountain of Yahweh, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his paths for out of Zion shall go forth the law and, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Now, I believe that God is setting up Mount Zion here in Scotland. Yeah? And, and, and we are the spear point, the, the pioneering, the chief of the nations. But not as long as we're, we're living in, in the darkness of globalism and Babylonian agenda but only as we submit to the Lord and say, Lord, as we once were the people of the book, as this was once the land of the book, let us go back to that. And he says when we do that and we become truly God's mountain again, because remember mountain in Scripture is a metaphor for nation or kingdom. And we don't have to be the, the most militarily strongest nation on earth. We don't have to be the richest nation on earth. We don't have to have the biggest population the biggest army, all of that stuff. What makes a nation great is that nation's relationship with the Lord. So we can be the holiest nation, and I believe when you're the holiest nation, you are the strongest nation. You are the mightiest nation. Why? Because you've got Yahweh Sabaoth and the millions of angels, and just one of those angels can wipe out a planet. So that's what we need. That's the challenge. And as we were coming in yesterday to Arise Scotland, I shared this yesterday too. But the Lord said to me, the Holy Spirit said this to me. He said, if you look at what's in the world right now, the only thing that will change it, the only thing that will change the darkness is what comes out of the mouth of my remnant saints. 
But you see, if we don't release that, it's not going to change. Because God's purpose is, comes through the mouths of his people, doesn't it? He releases his purpose. We read it in our Bibles. But if we don't take it up and run with it, take up the vision and run with it, then it won't come to pass. If we're not saying what he's saying to the people he's saying it to, then nothing's going nothing's to happen. He says, He shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come and let us walk in the light of the Lord. But you have forsaken your people, the house of Jacob. You've forsaken Scotland. I don't believe God has forsaken Scotland, but I believe he's had to turn his back on us. Does that make sense? We've forced his hand. Why? Because we've gone to soothsayers. They're filled with eastern ways, soothsayers, sorcerers, all of that stuff. Full of idols. Their land, verse 8, is full of idols. They worship the work of their own hands, that which their own fingers have made. So we're, we're looking at all this. And we're seeing that it says here at the bottom, the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. And then it says here, look at this, they shall go into the hole of the rocks and into the caves of the earth from the terror of the Lord and the glory of his majesty when he arises to shake the earth mightily. We are in that time of shaking right now and we're, we're, it's going to get much, much worse. That, that's what the prophets are saying. That's what I'm picking up in my spirit. Maybe you could say that's what we've seen so far. We've not seen anything yet. Because God is shaking us so that we'll turn back to him. But um, in the time I've got left, let's turn to First John. Because I want to see this from a New Testament perspective. We were looking at this this morning. And it, it, it's quite eye-opening. Because... What do we hear? And what we, what's on our lips a lot? What are we discussing a lot? And, and, and I'll just say, it's the mark of the beast or the Antichrist. The Antichrist is coming. Oh, here he comes. Yeah? Who is it? Is it Barack Obama? I was saying today, you know, it used to be, is it Mussolini? Is it Hitler? Is it all these guys? Is it Barack Obama? Is it this one? Is it that one? Yeah. And I did say the reformers believed that the, the popes were antichrist, not so much the persons as the office of the papacy. But you know, when John wrote this, there, were, there wasn't a papacy. So 1 John chapter 2 and verse uh, 18. Here it is. Little children, this is from the King James, it is the last time, or we would say it's the last days, the last hour. Other versions say, the last hour. Now remember John wrote this almost 2,000 years ago, and he said, it is the last hour. It's been the last days since Jesus went to the right hand of the majesty. But that means that every day that goes by now, we're nearer to the last, you understand? So it's, it's, it's progressive, isn't it? And, and a lot of people, we're in the, we're the very last. I'm expecting the rapture any minute. I've got my bags packed. Well, that's good. Amen? 
I don't care about this world anymore. I've got a mansion over the hilltop. I've got a wee cabin in the glory. I'm all set to go, Lord Jesus. But is that what God wants? And you know, when we talk about Antichrist, a lot of that stuff is Hollywood, as I said. It's all those films, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger and all that. You know, the Antichrist, he's in a, he's, you know, he's in a cafe in Brooklyn and all that stuff. Am I right? It's just Hollywood fantasy land. But what does the Bible say about Antichrist? What, is, what does John say? He says, little children, it is the last time. And as you've heard the Antichrist shall come. He says, you've heard the Antichrist is coming. How did you hear it? Because you went on Facebook. And you watched YouTube. You went on social media. And all those Bible experts told you that the Antichrist is coming. And some of those experts, well, they're not experts. And some of them are self-appointed experts. But some of them have got good marketing and they've maybe got several thousand or, you know, hits and stuff. But he says, you've heard. So this is back 2,000 years ago. And people were saying, did you know the Antichrist is coming any day now? See that guy in that next town, that, that, that new politician? I think it's him. So John is telling us the Antichrist. Back then they're saying, you've heard, Antichrist is coming. The mark of the beast is coming. The beast is here. Any minute now, he's going to appear in the world scene and he's going to do this and he's going to do that. So it's nothing new. 2,000 years later, and we've had 2,000 years of that stuff. Am I right? I, you know, when I first got saved, that was up, out the late great planet Earth. They didn't tell me in the Church of Scotland that Jesus was coming back. So when I found out, I was electrified. But then the next book, Satan is Alive and Well on Planet Earth. It's like the guy's an agent for, you know, Satan. He's alive and well. Oh, oh, he's running amok. I mean, that is the dumbest title isn't, isn't, ever, isn't it? Satan is alive and well on planet Earth. He's not doing so well if you read the Bible. Because Jesus reduced him to naught. So let's get biblical. So let's. Uh, I should stop ranting and start preaching. Okay, we've not got a lot of time. Little children, it is the last time. As you've heard, the Antichrist is coming. What we would say is, oh, oh, there's a spoken your Antichrist is coming, wheel. Even now, there are many Antichrists. Oh, oh, there are many Antichrists. Now, we don't hear that. Even now, even now. Not there's many coming. There's not just one Antichrist that's coming. There's loads of them coming. No, no, no. He says, oh, you've heard, even now, there are many of them. Look around you. And let me tell you, there's a whole bunch of them in Glasgow in the next few weeks. And here's, there's a few shocks in here for us folks. Even now, are there many Antichrists whereby we know that it's the last time? We don't know that it's the last time because the Antichrist is coming. We know that it's the last time because there are many here right now. That's a different context, different pers perspective altogether, isn't it? It's a biblical one, though. It's a Holy Ghost one. They, and watch this, watch this, okay? Here's, here's what we're expecting next. 
I see what they Muslims. Aye, man. See them, see them Islamics. See them from another country and another race and another religion. That's the Antichrist that we need to fear. That's what we should be looking out for. When they open the borders and they all come in. Am I right? Have you heard that? Islam, Islam, Islam. Well, watch this. Watch what it says. Watch what the Bible says. They went out from us. Doesn't say they came from a far country. Doesn't say they came from the Middle East. Doesn't say they came from another part of the world. They went out from us. You see, if you want to plant the heavens, you have to know what you're dealing with right now. Because if you live in cloud cuckoo land, fantasy land, Hollywood land, and you're looking for some charismatic leader on the world stage, he says, there's Antichrist all around you. And, they, and, and here's how we identify them. They went out from us. We were talking about that today. You know, we turn around and we say, um, the decline in church attendance, the decline in the influence of the church, the decline we've seen spectacularly the last 18 to 20 months. But even before that, we were seeing, you know, those of us who have been saved for a few decades, remember back when the church was strong and militant, and loads of churches, and churches were packed. This building here was packed every week. Am I right? Every single service. All up there and, and down here. So what happened? Look at Scotland. The people of the book, the land of the book, Calvinistic Scotland, Christian Scotland. Look at it now. Why is it, you know, a, a hub now of um, globalism, humanism, socialism, all the isms. They're all here, feminism and all the other isms. Transhumanism. What happened? Here's what happened. They went out from us. They went out, not they came in from other countries. They went out from us. You see, it's easy to find a bogeyman and blame that bogeyman. It's they Muslims, it's they, it's they foreign people that come in. No, they went out from, the Antichrist went out from us. Think about it. That's what the Bible says. Then he says this, watch. And I'll bring this to, to a close, folks. But they were not of us. Now, remember when I, I spoke on what, what, what the, the Hebrews called the Shinar, which is those who transmute or, or become mutants or change so that they outwardly look the same, but something's going on in the inside. Something is changing. They're mutating. And I believe that as a spiritual thing, but I also believe in this day and age now, it's a physical thing. With the old... Transmutation is to, he says, they were once with us, they were, they, were, they were with us, but they went out from us, but they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. We'd, they'd still be here. Now, I don't believe he's talking so much about individuals. You can say, oh, I remember I used to go to church with so-and-so. And he's talking about a trend, isn't he? He's saying, you could say, Think of Scotland, when once churches were packed, and even people who were nominal Christians, and even people who didn't go to church, they had the fear of God. 
They had a reverence for God. They had a reverence for Christian people. It was a God-fearing country, even if you didn't go to church, or even if you went to a church that was just, you know, nominal. But he says, oh, those days are gone. They went out from us. Because if they had been of us, then they'd still be here. But what did they do? They went, they went to apostate churches, or they went to stop going to churches because they're at Ibrooks or Parkhead or B&Q. Now, is that saying, and I don't think he's saying this, I don't think he's talking about Antichrist here, that everybody that doesn't come to church and isn't a Christian is some evil, you understand? But the spirit of Antichrist is out there. And the spirit of Antichrist pulls you away from the things of God, doesn't it? And he talks about this. Look what he says. We'll just read this. We're going to... He says, If they'd been of us, they would not have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. And read the rest of the chapter when you get home. And he, he talks about verse 26. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. You see, the seduction comes from the Antichrist spirit. And the seduction will say to you, or say to you out there, or just say in general, you know, churches aren't important. That's why we're going to shut them down. Um, you can go and watch snooker, or you can go to you know, theatre, but you can't go to church. And if you go to church, you go in limited numbers, and you'll sit two metres apart, and you wear a mask, and you'll definitely not be singing. And the reason you'll not be singing is because they know at the highest level, if the high praises of God are in your mouth, that's what curtails them from carrying out their Babylonian plots. Read Psalm 149. In fact, let's just go there and we'll close with this. I said we'd close with that, but, you know, they're allowed several closings. Now, they'll close with this. Psalm 149. We'll just close with this. Look what it says. It says from verse six, 5, Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud in their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hands. Here's your two-edged sword. Your Bible. Correct? Why have you got the, the high praise of God in your mouth? Why have you got a Bible? To execute vengeance on the nations and punishments on the peoples to bind their kings with chains and their nobles or their leaders or their governmental uh, folks with fetters of iron to execute on them the written judgment. This honour have all his saints praise the Lord. What he's saying here is you are equipped. What did he say? I've put my words in your mouth. I've covered you in the shadow of my hand. I've equipped, I've empowered, I've enabled, I've anointed you for one purpose, to hold these governmental rulers in check, because if you don't, they will end up doing what they're doing right now. And that's why they're doing what they're doing right now, because not enough Christians were doing what we were supposed to be doing. And that's why it's the remnant now that have had this revelation of make decrees, pray, speak into these situations. If you need to climb 
up hills and mountains and wherever it is or go around and blow shofars, plant stakes, whatever it is God leads and tells you to do, including just simply coming to church and speaking it, getting your knees in your bedroom and doing it because he says here on your bed you do these things on your bed. Let them sing aloud on their beds. Why? Because as you praise him and as you release these words and as you speak his purpose from his word, you will bring these people into line and into order. And that's our job and that's our role. And if we don't do it, we are criminally neglectful. So these are the times to do that. It's always time to do it. But brothers and sisters, there's never been a greater need. There's never been a time for these things. And what do we say? We plant the heavens. How do we do that? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in Glasgow. Thy will be done in Paisley. Thy will be done in Maryhill, in Garengad, in the south side. Wherever you speak it, that's where you release it. And as we release it, we don't have the power to make it come to pass. But we're, he does, and he's, he keeps calling himself the Lord of hosts, doesn't he? What he's saying is, I've got millions of angels. I've got millions of angels, and as you speak my word, I'll release them into your neighborhood, into your community. And our, our job is just to speak it and believe it, folks. Well, much as I would like to go on and keep preaching um, and teaching these things, we can come back to it and um, look at it. But, you know, why are they here? Why are these folks here in Glasgow at this time? Well, it ain't for that. But what we've been taught by the Lord to do is to combat what they've, they're up to. Because it ain't about, you know, uh, greener planets and climate change and was it zero carbon and all this. Listen, they want to reduce the carbon. The carbon they want to reduce is you and I. That's the agenda. That's always been their agenda, but they've just brought it to the forefront now because they, they think, well, we'll get away with it. Well, they won't. In Jesus' name, they will be stopped. Amen. And we will be the ones to stop them. Not saying that out of haughtiness or arrogance. There are others around who are saying and doing the same thing. So let's join with them and join with the Lord and speak his word and see his purpose manifest in Scotland and the nations at this time. The Lord bless you, folks.